Welcome to the Apple of Truth, our weekly podcast where we cover every single episode of Lucifer while celebrating the great parts, pointing out the bad parts, and answering questions you never knew you even had. I'm Vero. And I'm Lena. And we can't wait to share our love and hate for your favorite characters. Today we're talking about Season 5, Episode 16, A Chance at a Happy Ending, the finale. The summary of this episode. This finale gives us an epic battle with the highest stakes and in the end, not just a chance for a happy ending, but at least one happy couple we were cheering for and many more potential joys for the future. Uh, see, I have decided to go with my obsession of the week on quite poetic notes because it works on multiple levels, I think. My obsession for Lucifer this week... Is it saving the world? No, it was saving a single soul. Oh. Okay. I know, right? What was yeah. yours? Was it saving the world? No, no. That's a shame. I really struggled this time to find something because I kind of felt that he was all over the place. A little because bit, Because there was yeah. so much going on and he had so many points that he needed to focus on mm-hmm. that I, I think, again, went with becoming God. But I absolutely agree with yours. Yours is much better. So even though we did not agree, you are right. Ah. But also, we did not have to agree because with this, we ended at 8 of 16 which is exactly 50% and that is how we finished last season and I am happy with that same and it was more episodes yeah if we can keep this up and also agree half of the time in season 6 I think we're kind of good yeah 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 we're solid unlike other people oh yeah Let's get into the facts and funs for this episode. Our standard threes are six-time director Karen Gaviola. Previous episode was Vegas with some radish. This is her last episode. Oh my god, I love her. Yeah. I didn't know that, but I love her. Exactly, same. We have 14th time writer Joe Henderson. Previous episode was Detective Amenadiel. Three more episodes to come. And 15th time writer Ildi Modrovic. Previous episode was Bloody Celestial Karaoke Jam. Two more episodes to come, which of course means both of them will have 17 writing credits at the end of the show. And I'm kind of happy that both of them have the same amount. Yes, yes. And... I wouldn't be surprised if that was intentional. The title is said by Michael, which is still Tom Alice, but not Lucifer. And this puts Lucifer at a final score of 6 out of 16, which is very clearly less than half. And less than us. Definitely, and less than us, less than half, and definitely not a majority, which seems to be the trend that is happening. In season one, it felt like every single episode title was said by him. And as it goes on and on and on, as the other characters around him gain their own agendas and momentum and relevance, they also get the privilege of saying the title. And I actually kind of like it. Yeah, if you put it that way, it actually is beautiful. Because he might be our 
titular character, but the show has grown to be so much more than just him. Yeah, you know? it may be called Lucifer, but it's no longer just about him. The exactly. same way that he doesn't think about just himself anymore. The less selfish Lucifer the character becomes, the less selfishly his character is hogging the title cult. Ah, we made it beautiful. I would not be surprised if it actually was intentional. Who knows? Let's see where the rest of the facts and funds end up. Obviously, when Mace enters the arena, she once again speaks Afrikaans for the demonic language. I'm not gonna try to pronounce what she says. In English, it means on my command. When Lee Garner, aka Mr. Sad Out Bitch, curses in heaven, he says fork instead of fuck, which is the same way cursing works in The Good Place. I didn't notice that. If you haven't watched The Good Place, please do. It's an amazing show. Best know nothing before you get into it. Yes. When Mace meets Eve at the club, Eve is obviously drinking an apple teeny as per usual apple Always <laughs> oh, a thing. Apparently, there is an instance of a background element giving wings to a human character. IMDb claims there was. I did not catch it in the episode. So, dear listeners, if you remember which instant this is in this episode, please let us know. Thank you. Lastly, at the end of the credits is a memorial credit for Merit Yonker, that is the stunt coordinator who died from cancer at age 62 in 2019. Aww. So now you know for whom. The tribute was. And this concludes the facts and funs for this episode. And season. True. I will not have facts and funs in the summoning. Yeah. And as we are entering the last episode of season five, we're going to have a very juicy previously on. <laughs> okay, now I'm curious. <laughs> it's long, but I hope that I gave it justice because here is the entire season in Previously on Lucifer. Lucy and Chloe decide after a long struggle to fuck it, they'll just be together. Linda and Ames have Charlie, who seems to be very ordinary human. Ames refuses to take the God position because he wants to be there for his kid. Michael meddled dad into a retirement and out of the universe. And now he's trying to take over heaven and assemble the flaming sword. Dan was trying to help out with a case, but ends up definitely not dead yes denial is my best friend but also goes to hell for some reason Trixie and Chloe are obviously upset but also this isn't helping Ella with her own situation and Lucifer finds a new reason to want to become a god only thing missing for me is Ella's struggle of faith yes I was trying to at least touch upon that but you know coherently no no apart from that perfect I only feel that her struggle of faith because her noticing the moment basically when god wasn't in heaven we get a callback to this in this episode when she says it feels like you're not even there which of course is impossible so I feel like her faith is so relevant even though it's in the background yes you're right and I'm curious if they're gonna do more with this because she seems so sensitive to the whole celestial stuff mm. but otherwise a uh, very good summary and no Dan is most definitely not dead and thus he can't be in hell <laughs> I mean why would he be in hell he's not even dead I mean aren't we all in hell <sighs> yeah 
But speaking of hell, you know, some people say that prison is hell. Definitely in America. I was so confused by this cold open scene. Incredibly because so. Because it takes so long within the episode to pay off that when I watched this the first time, I was confused and I forgot it had happened. And then when they showed up, I was confused again. And I was like, oh, right, something happened there. So that was really weird structure-wise. I think that they just built a mystery and then deliberately led us away from it. And, you know, like I was watching this at the beginning and when I watched it the first time before knowing what was going to happen, I was like, okay, so this is the final episode of this season. We're in the middle of, of so much bullshit and they're going to just go with the regular case of like they're going to be trying yeah. to catch convicts. Like what's going to happen now? And then the bus just drives off the cliff and everybody dies. And I was like, what? What the fuck? What's what the point? just happened? Yeah. It's like they wasted, in quotation mark two minutes just so it had a backstory where they were getting the bodies from. But you know what? I like it. I like how random it was. I would not have needed it. And I feel like maybe I would have liked two more minutes in heaven, you know? <laughs> so it felt like a weird choice. We finally get to our heroes slash main characters and we go to Lux and because it's Lux we get a song. It's by John and the Volta and it's called Paralyzed. And as it plays we're watching Lucifer clearly very much broken down after the events of last episode sitting on a bar and there are some fuzzy people moving behind him and we're not really sure what's happening there. Honestly, I genuinely thought because it's been a while since I watched the previous episode so it didn't ring as it doesn't make sense for Chloe to be there but when I heard the piano I thought it was Chloe coming up to him and oh, really? trying to talk to him I think it's just because it was such a disconnection between the two episodes it's been a while it's been a big pause before I watched this but like first moment instantly I was like oh is Chloe there the thing is even though the background people are blurry I instantly recognized Michael because of his posture yeah because this has become so iconic with the chip in his shoulder. So that, to me, it was instantly clear that this is Michael and my gut reaction, Michael and Lux is never good. Yes. Just, it doesn't matter why he's there, but it's never good. What it tells us this moment and the fact that he plays this is that he knows. He knows everything. He's been watching Lucifer the entire time and we've known that before, but the fact that he genuinely knows even this little detail, which is from, this happened in like season one, episode two for us. Oh, I actually didn't recognize that. Ooh. So the fact that they do the tum 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 da 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 tum That is the song Chloe plays, right? Yes, exactly. So this is what he plays. <gasps> oh my god, I completely missed that super obvious connection. Ah, this is brilliant. This is <gasps> this is exactly why it even crossed my mind that it could have been Chloe, you know? Oh my god. And yes, this is confirmation that he has always been watching like the fucking creep that he is. Mm-hmm. So oh it just God. makes everything even worse. It gets even worse because I had forgotten from our first binge mm -hmm. watch through that it was Michael who told Lomac on the phone to kill Dan and the whole reasoning behind it. <sighs> it's so terrible. It's horrifying. It's absolutely horrifying how a supposed good celestial being, a fucking angel, like a literal angel, can be this twisted and manipulative and horrid. It's so bad. And I fucking hate that. I hate it so much. And you know what? It's good because the way this is written, it oh, yeah. just, it works so well for me at the end. 
oh, what yeah. they do with the complete finale, the last scenes. Because oh, yeah. you really, really, really need to hate him. And they accomplish that very well. Oh, so, yeah, absolutely. Props. Props to the writing. We get a very early title card in this scene. We get it in six minutes, which is unusually early. We're usually around the tennis mark. Very true, yeah. And we're gonna go to a very sad, heartbreaking scene. This is one of the moments where I'm upset that you haven't watched Buffy. Mm. Because I had severe Buffy flashbacks in this scene, which are not gonna make sense to you because you haven't watched it. To our wonderful listeners who have watched Buffy, Mezekin was giving me Anya vibes in the body episode and that is gonna make sense for those who have watched it but yeah the entire scene is incredibly sad but also it's very very interesting how differently all of them deal with it like Maze with coming in with the oh let's just get over it and it's better not get attached to anything and then she sees the fucking sync sweater and completely loses it mm. and Linda having her approach and Amenadiel trying his very best to speak Mezekane's language which is such a cute thing Amenadiel really is growing on me in the last two episodes so I yeah. have to say. I mean, he always has few episodes in a row when I just start loving him and then he just fucks it up. So I don't put too much weight into that. He hasn't been a dum-dum in a while. Yeah. Right now, he is on my good side, for sure. Yeah. And I am very glad that he is able to be there for Maze. This is the first time she actually lost somebody since yeah. she's grown a soul. This is a whole new pain for her. And she doesn't know how to deal with that. Isn't it in general the first time that she has lost someone? that she cared about like even before she had the soul yeah I don't think that she cared about anybody before though she cared about Trixie even before she grew yes. the soul yeah 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 so this is the first time actually she lost actually someone. lost somebody not yeah. that there was a a threat or close call or anything like that. Yeah. This is like when you are a kid and for the first time you're faced with mortality in an actual real way, not just a theoretical possibility. Basically, this is what she dumped Eve for to not experience this. And then it still came around and happened to her. And she was not in love with Dan, but she cared about Dan. So this is basically giving her a taste how bad it would be to lose Eve. Not just in a theoretical setting, but in actuality. But of course, Linda, precious, precious Linda, puts it in words that she can understand. Mm -hmm. And that we need the joy. And if we have the joy, we also get the pain. I think Emanuel is the one who says it. The only way to not feel this pain is to never have known Dan. And this is something that none of us would want. And so, of course, she realizes this. And I really love the last shot we get of Mezekin's face in this scene. You see a realization in her face, which is, of course, the hope that gets planted that maybe Eve and her might have have a chance after all and it's just like half a second maybe mm. but it's really well done and so great directing and of course great acting by Leslie Ann once again what she does with her face sometimes as Mezzacane is really really awesome yeah 100% oh, it pains me so much to watch that but you know what it makes her a better person and it shows the love that everybody has for Dan and I'm there for it so thank you I mean she grows through this a lot of course it would have been nice if uh, Dan didn't have to die for that yes yes obviously we go into the penthouse and 
the worst part. No, the second worst part. Do you have a ranking there? Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. The second worst part in the scene is that he calls her detective and not Chloe. Mm, yeah, that's that thing a little bit. Also, I feel like it diminishes the end of the scene when he asks her, I need the detective one last time. I feel like it would have been more acknowledging not calling her detective in the beginning. I know mm-hmm. that it's a way of distancing himself from her. Yeah. Especially since the last time they talked, there was the fight. Yeah, I get that. That this is the calling her detective, is putting up the wall and everything. But I feel like since in the end of the scene, he uh, he tells her and he asks for her help, which is such a big step, that I would have liked the contrast. Mm-hmm. But this hurt, of course, him going back to calling her detective and not Chloe because they fought. Yeah. Well, what was the worst thing then? Remy oh, yeah. dying? Remy- <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was... Uh, denial, Lina. Denial. <laughs> what could be the worst thing in the scene where fucking Remy is dying? Mm, yeah. So, oh, I don't know, okay, Vero. <laughs> We're gonna start... Really? I'm gonna go through this scene. <sighs> I'm gonna talk about what, what's happening before that terrible thing never happened. What we're watching is a Lucifer, after a conversation with Michael, asks Chloe to come in. I really liked that he is actually sharing again. And I know that we always pointing it out these days, but it's just such a nice thing to see that he actually is sharing and that it's not going back to lies or omission or whatever it was before because it was always before he would share and then he would hold back he would share hold back he would always be protecting her in quotation marks by not giving her all the information and letting her make up her own mind of course the downside or the shadow part of him now being fully open and sharing and truthful is that chloe now also knows that dan is in hell yeah And he did not intend to tell her like this, I'm pretty sure. But it was a matter of time. She would have found out eventually. It hurts her a lot and it hurts him to hurt her, even if it wasn't his intention. But let's not skip over one of the best moments in this scene. Well, I was gonna touch upon the fact that he tells her, you mustn't feel guilty. Just stop feeling guilty, won't you? Just stop being sad, Vero. It's not that hard. It's like, just smile more. Yeah. She tries to explain to him, this is not how emotions work. But instead of trying to explain it, she has a much better approach within a few seconds, which is the ice pick. Her fucking stabbing him with the ice pick. I think this is one of my all-time favorite comedic moments within the worst possible emotional setting. It's so good. I was gonna first say that she first said feel worthy before she stabs him but when that doesn't work she grabs the ice pick and stabs him. It's beautiful. It's excellent. It drives the point home. And the ice pick. (laughs) Sorry. Oh, it's just... It was just wow. But of course, this is the moment where he explains about hell or slips up about hell and then. But even this is cut short because holy shit, these scenes in this episode are so dense. There's so much going on. Because now Mm -hmm. we get slap, slap, slap. We get pain upon pain upon pain. Because now Chloe is struggling with the whole Dennis in hell. Enter Ramiel. We don't know it's Ramiel. We just hear wings flutter and we're like, oh no, fuck, an angel showing up. 
can't be good because there's only a handful of angels, not even, who aren't total dicks. But of course, it's one of the non-dickish angels, but alas, she is mortally wounded and dies on his floor. I am extremely upset about this. I really liked Ramiel, the character. Yes, she was excellent. I was upset back then. (laughs) I was... Uh, upset right now. I have a fun IMDb fact for you Ooh. that maybe you caught because you are much better at this particular thing than I am. When Chloe asks if the flaming sword has actual flames on it, Lucifer confirms this, adding, it makes sense, don't overthink it. These are also the lyrics to his theme song Crime Solving Devil from Season 2, Episode Candy Morningstar. And it has been brought back so many times times crime solo devil make sense don't overthink it so you caught it when you watched it i didn't i actually <laughs> didn't catch it when, when i watched it but Ooh. when you said you just the way you said it before you actually revealed what it was <laughs> the way you said it i was like yeah should have caught that yep so thank you imdb for pointing this out we should have caught it we didn't so don't overthink it don't overthink it uh no yeah that's actually exactly what we do overthinking things that's our brand (laughs) that's our brand that's our joy that's our nectar as i said in the beginning of the scene it all wraps up with lucifer asking for help which i am totally here for it Mm -hmm. because he knows he needs to solve this and to solve a case he needs the best there is and that is the detective Uh, the detective and so yes and not just the detective Yes, and not just the detective, he needs the person who actually solves all the crimes. Which is... Ella, Ella. which is Ella. Yeah, so we head over to the precinct and we are in the lab. (laughs) We are watching Ella and Ella is missing Dan and I also miss Dan. She's looking at his desk through the lab window and his fucking desk is a memorial. There's flowers Mm. and there's candles Candles. and... uh, (laughs) it just hurt me so much watching this scene I'm like 99.9% convinced that she is not a vanilla human because how else would she know that God's not there how else would she be so connected to it her praying basically to the empty because there is no one listening was so incredibly sad Mm, because this is not the first time that this happened but back then at least he was in the vicinity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now he's proper gone. But I still found it absolutely hilarious, I have to admit, that even though there is no God to potentially give the sign, when she goes, please give me a sign, we have Chloe entering, thank God you're here. And it's like, that is called a coincidence, but that's okay. So she asks for a sign. We get the sign as in Chloe coming with the thank God you're here. Mm Mm-hmm. Ella finds yeast on the feather. Did you clock what they wanted from Ella before the reveal? No. Because Lucifer going like, oh, there's something else you can do. I was like, huh? I was completely confused. What is the favor, Lucifer? Tell us. And then they go to a completely different scene. I'm like, Lucifer! Yeah, I was so confused. And I had forgotten the reveal in the latest scene. Same. So I was like, yo, what the fuck is going on? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Good. But before we get that reveal, we go back to Lux. I assume Lux means song. 
it means song. And the song is, unfortunately, it's not uh, the song with the same name that I love. But regardless, it is called Sabotage. And it's by Emma Kern. Sabotage. How fitting, since this whole thing is a setup. We have... Eve sitting there. And as we have mentioned in the fans and facts, she is sipping on an appletini. The green one. I love the green. They always go with this really sharp green and that's just, it's so beautiful. In my brain though, an apple is red. I know I know that there are green apples, but to me, like the cliche apple is a red apple. She sits there with her signature drink and she is on her phone writing with someone who is called Steve. And I completely lost my shit here because I don't know how well versed in homophobic bullshit slogans you are but one of the most standard homophobe bullshit slogans is it's Adam and Eve not Adam and Steve oh yeah I know that one (laughs) I did not I did not connect it though (laughs) I completely lost my shit that Maze made up the profile and used Steve for a situation that then ends with Mace and Eve, with Mace and Eve and not Adam and Eve, which like turns the entire thing on its head. And I kind of wonder if it was deliberate because I just figured it was so fucking funny. This (laughs) is too good to be not. It makes me extremely happy. It makes me extremely happy. Because I have been to so many um, like demonstrations to protest homophobes. Mm. And like, this is something that you actually see like printed on shirts. Yeah, yeah. I've, like, <sighs> I came across this phrase so many times before because people are gross. But yeah, me, I did not yep. connect it when I saw the name. So but I, I completely I lost my shit. Steve. I love that Mace catfished her partner. That she oh my God, deceives yes. Eve into a relationship. It's just so on brand for them. And the fact that Eve loves that. And also the fact that Eve goes like, oh, well, this explains why I really liked his demonic sense of humor or whatever she says. And it's just wicked. Oh, it's so perfect. And then it gets even more perfect because Mace going, I don't care if you die. And Eve understanding her how and what she means. I mean, she then like goes like, uh, just double checking, but my initial understanding would not have been the positive spin it was intended to be. So Maze's worst possible delivery still landing right with Eve. Because they're made for each other. Yes, they are perfect with each other. And of course, it gets even more perfect in the scene. And I think you already know this. Yes. The text Mezekin says to Eve. Till the years are showing on your face and my strongest days are gone. Is an insert that Leslie Ann herself did. Like she asked the writers and directors if she could insert it. And they said yes. Because this is according to her Instagram link in my notes and probably yours as well these are lyrics from a song by Brooke Fraser. the song is arithmetic these are also some of Leslie Ann's own vows to her husband indeed indeed so, they are yeah. it's beautiful though. the song is on YouTube so you can check it out the scene is just one of the silver linings in this heartbreaking episode. Mm-hmm. But the fact that we now have this canon 
queer couple against all odds, basically, is making me extremely happy. Yeah, it's Adam and Steve. And neither of them die in this episode. <gasps> not yet. Hey, they, if they get more than one episode, it's not the immediate, you know. Yeah. Um, I'm still salty. <laughs> but that sadly uh, wraps up this beautiful, beautiful, lovely scene. And we go back to yeast. Uh, beer. <laughs> Same thing. And <laughs> at this moment, as these two new angels, Ibriel and Reziel, thank you, they are pinning down the human that I barely remember. TJ, I forgot he was still alive once again. Yeah, I, I forgot the first time I watched this and I forgot it again this time. Yeah. So they're pinning him down against one of those tanks and Lucifer Michael shows up. And at that moment, I remembered what they needed Ella for. But when I was watching it the first time, it took me a moment. It took me a moment, but he did reveal himself before he actually <gasps> revealed himself to me. It really? Felt, yeah. One of his reactions. I don't remember when the specific moment was, but I did realize that this is not actually Michael because of one of the reactions that he had. He got me fooled only once he uh, doesn't kill TJ and then starts peeling off the scar. I'm like, holy shit, what? <laughs> what just happened? Yeah. Yes. However, his goodness of heart where he tries to save TJ doesn't matter because Michael is a twat and he just doesn't even hesitate. He cuts TJ's neck like it's nothing mm -hmm. with Ezreal's knife. But we're not done yet because mm -hmm. Chloe shows up. Yeah. And she does it in the best possible way because she does it with drawn gun and Michael taunts her. And Michael calls her Chloe. Yes. Michael taunts her, which does not keep her from shooting him. Mm. And he's like, oh, well, this doesn't change. Blah, blah. And she goes, made you look. And she's gone. And so is Lucifer. It's... Yeah. Very well done. So regardless, they managed to get out of there very elegantly and very seamless. And we go very elegantly, not, over to Linda's. Why is Linda such a helicopter mom? It's just, you know, coming back to what she was before. You know, I know that you have pointed out that you are happy that she is stepping away a little bit and being herself more. But I feel like she's just worried for her kid. Now that Adriana is her, you know, out in the open daughter and everything else in her life kind of sort of mellowed down a little bit. I feel like she now again has the time to pay full attention <laughs> to charity. So you mean her life needs to be falling to pieces so she's not a helicopter mom? Yes. Okay. She needs to be distracted by other things. Come on. Like, what else she's going to do with her time? Lucifer's off doing something with Chloe. So her favorite client's gone. All of his, all of her other clients are boring, she has admitted. So, you know, who knows if she even goes to work. And if she goes to work, she probably doesn't require to pay that much attention as she used to because it's all the same thing. I mean, she would be 
more than busy if she started therapizing all of Lucifer's and the Menadiel's siblings. True. And they do need it. They do need it. However, the first step to that is to ask for help. True, true, true. You can't therapize them without them asking for it first. Obviously, I am not a fan of her listening to Influenza Mom and everything. But of course, the only reason we have this scene at all is Menadiel needs to learn about Remy. And I hate the fact that he's being told over the phone. Yeah, it sucks. I get that this is the most efficient way because we don't really have the time. But this, for example, is one of the moments where I'm like, skip the first two minutes with the prison transport Mm. and give me a more human, for lack of a better word, scene how Amenadiel gets told about Remy because they were super close. And I feel like in general, it's bad to be told this shitty news via phone. But especially when you're brother and you have wings and you can be anywhere you want within the snap of your fingers so maybe pop by maybe make a stop over there and tell him face to face okay that's fair enough did lucifer actually tell him uh, this is just kind of did he say they're burying remiel in the next scene so yeah, yeah i know that like would we would we actually see that wouldn't be wouldn't it be more of i have some news can you get here please it's serious no db's face is okay no, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. I'm just trying to, trying to, you know, weasel my way out of the situation. No. No, no. You're so harsh. Yeah. You're right. If you can, please do not tell this kind of news over the phone. We are going to the park. And I believe this is not that far from where her brother is buried. This is pretty sure exactly the same location where Uriel is buried. Yeah. Pretty sure that is the tree. Yes. So, you know, at least they're together. If there is a place where dead angels go, yes, they are. Yay! The burial commences and Mace shows up. They have the conversation about how they're going to fight and saving a single soul is worth it and yaddy yaddy, all very wholesome. I'm being deliberate, uh, blasé about this because you're absolutely right. This is definitely the best obsession for this episode, but I didn't see it, so... I have to pass over <laughs> it so it's not obvious. Duh. <laughs> and so Chloe says that she wants to join the fight. And initially, yes. very understandably, Lucifer says, like, girl, no, you're human and your weapons no hurt the angels. He said that literally word for word. Absolutely. And I love this moment with Mace and Chloe because this is one of the wonderful callbacks to their friendship because Chloe and Mace also are friends. This has dropped by the wayside a bit in the last episodes because so much other things have happened. But they are also friends. Mace understands the need for someone to be part of the fight. And so she simply hands over her demon knife. You can have Stabby. Because of course her knife is called Stabby. Question for Leslie-Anne. What is the name of the other blade? Ooh, that's a good question. If one is Stabby, what is the name of the other one? Cutty? (laughs) Sorry. Slashy. Oh, Slashy is also, yeah, Slashy is better. Stabby and Slashy? Yeah, (laughs) much better than Cutty. (laughs) Okay, we're gonna ask if she can't think of something, we're gonna recommend calling the other one Slashy, yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Good, good, good. But to wrap this scene up, I'm with Mace. If we can't kill the other side in a war, then we're gonna die together. Yes. As they are talking about the plan and what they're gonna do, a song starts playing. I wanna mention that before I get into that whole philosophical debate. It's called New Blood. It's by Zaid Wolf. It's a very good song. We wrap this scene up and we get into one of the longest scenes I think we've had on this show. This scene is over 13 minutes. So that is 
long. Mm-hmm. It makes sense, absolutely. But still, it's very rare. I feel that even as a finale, you have such a long scene for the battle because this is nearly a quarter of the episode. Yeah, it is sort of divided by certain things. So I'd say there is about one, two, three, four, four, five, four to five different parts of this scene that could be, you know, separated. Sub scene. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We have one big scene and five sub scenes. Perfect. All right. Let's get into it. We look over the Colosseum, as they call it, and we get a song playing in the background by Adonna called Dark Things. And Dark Things are certainly coming. Oh, yes, they are. We go into the field and there's all the angels standing there. And Lucifer can't help himself. It is so entertaining. So we have like a lot of banter happening here and then Lucy has to do the joke with the is winter coming it's so good because Michael's outfit does look like straight from the Game of Thrones set it is ridiculous so true especially because no one else is in war gear or warrior gear yeah Gabriel is still wearing her flowy rope thingy and Zadkiel is wearing his usual stuff and and Jobadil is wearing his surfer garb and everything None of those are dressed for war, except Michael, because he's so extra. He is the most drama queen. Michael doesn't even have a proper speech. (laughs) But Lucifer does. Yes, and it's a very good speech. Holy shit. It is pure Lucifer. Yes. It is spot on. It is truthful. He speaks of their desires. He is a tiny bit self-deprecating, which is hilarious. And then it gets so perfect because he decided before they came here that he would be willing to open up like this because currently we're stalling, you know, like mm-hmm. entering the scene, we're stalling. So this is not the actual plan. He is willing to open himself up to ridicule by telling them the actual reason he wanted to become God in the first place, but he doesn't get the chance and of course this makes it so much worse for him initially because admitting something embarrassing yourself is one thing being exposed and literally laughed at because Zadkiel before he does the reveal laughs while he says that it has a negative connotation in the first few Mm. moments Mm. so my heart was like oh no he does the great speech and then Zadkiel interrupts him before he can have his genuine open my heart on my sleeve moment and then of course the twist comes and everything and that girl goes with the best reason one could have and everything perfect I do have a question. Was Lucifer going to admit his first reason or his new reason? No, no, no. He was going to... Because he looks at Chloe. He looks at Chloe and she... Yeah, yeah, But he did tell Chloe her new reason why he needs to be God. But he says that he had a selfish reason to become God and he's going to tell them okay, why. Okay, okay. True. So Fair. I'm very, very sure. And so, like I said, the first time we saw Zadkiel, I'm kind of into him... So now Zadkiel being not just hot, but also on the side of good and loyal and coming over to our side just makes him even hotter. Yeah, that's what he does. He comes over and now we have this moment when you really expect that they 
one after another start coming over to Lucifer's side. And this is how it's set up. And it just doesn't happen. And Lucifer calls it out. And I'm just, I was laughing. It was just so good. Because they are just taking all of these big tropes and they are smashing them down into pieces. And it's just so good. And they're taking so much pseudo-gravitas out of this scene. We get the gravitas later in the other part. But this is so very much the essence of Lucifer. Because many times we have officially, I want to call it, grand or serene moments that then suddenly get broken up by humor. Of course, after Zedkiel, the second angel to switch over is Raziel, the female angel from the beer factory. But it doesn't stay like that. So uh, she goes back. Well, before she goes back... Oh, right. Sorry. Michael is being dramatic because as he looks around and sees that he has more votes, obviously, then Lucifer, he starts yelling at the skies. Something like, I am God! And we have the dramatic camera again and nothing happens. (laughs) It's the same thing, like building up the whole... But Michael does it twice. When it doesn't work the first time, he does it again, which just makes it so much worse. Yeah, it's just... So out of place. It makes him even more of a drama queen than he's been. He does the whole thing. And then Gabriel's like, oh, maybe it needs to be unanimous. And that is... Of course, the moment Raziel decides, whoopsie, I'm going to get killed if I'm on this side. So better step back. (laughs) I've been here the whole time. (laughs) And we get such a wonderful burn by Amenadiel. Yes. Because Ames tells her mom never liked you. I was dying. Ames, dude. I mean, yes, but ouch. Yeah. (laughs) So as she's popping over to Michael's side and Ames is being savage, we still need more time because Maze is still not there. So what does Lucifer decide to do? I hated this moment so much. For me, this just doesn't work because this is too much secondhand embarrassment. And that just (laughs) always, always takes me out, which is why I had such a hard time with Shit's Creek season one, because there's a lot of that, you know? Yeah. So, But you talk about this because you enjoyed it. No, no, no. I loved it because I wasn't even focusing on the secondhand embarrassment because I was so taken. One, once you hear You Can't Touch This by MC Hammer, you cannot hear it. It's just in you. It's within you. You cannot get rid of it for a very long time. This is why it has become My Devil's in the Music. So if you want to know some fun facts about this song, head to the bonus. She broke me. I did not see this coming. Yeah. Also on our playlist, which it's been a while since we shouted out a playlist on the actual episode, so... Oh, right, yeah. Yeah. Also, I have one last complaint about this dance scene. Mm -hmm. I feel like this was blatantly stolen from Guardians of the Galaxy, where Star-Lord uses the dance off to prolong the Ronan the Accuser with the Soul Stone and everything. (sighs) I... Do you know what? I do not take that as a complaint to me it is just yet another proof that Lucifer is obsessed with pop culture and this is why he thought of that this is why this song is the one that he chose to do because he was thinking oh no I need some inspiration to stall more ooh Guardians of a Galaxy dance off what song pops in my hand hammer time nee 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 Uh yeah right right okay did Um, I make it better yes take a sad song and make it better Remember. 
Okay. Um, yeah. So. Okay, enough complaining because enter Mace. I know I have kind of been repeating myself when it comes to this. Oh my god, she's so hot. She's so hot. No, her outfit is incredible. The hair, the outfit, the makeup, the attitude. Eve complimenting her color and outfit voice. It's just... God. No. Mace. How? It's just... I... mm. Mother Queen. Damn. Damn woman. Damn. This... For example, this is an outfit. Like, if you want to spend too much time cosplaying, this is an outfit you should do. For sure. For sure. I love that we get such a slow burn from the cold open. And we've talked about this, and I'm gonna say it one more time. At the time when I was watching the cold open, I was not impressed when they start ignoring it completely. But once we get this payoff, I was like, oh my god. You know, the moment when you bump your fist, uh, your hand against your forehead. When you slap your forehead with your palm. Yeah. Of course. Of course they're gonna use it this way. So I actually really, really, really liked that. So they show up. We have more confrontation and everything. And of course, Chloe, as per usual, is there with her gun. And of course, Michael is grandstanding and belittling her once again. He's just such an asshole. But I told you, oh, your bullets don't hurt me. <laughs> and so the two angels to his left and his right rise up with their wings. When and you live of course, your knees, you rise up. Okay, sorry, let's go on. And of course, Chloe shoots to maim and not to kill because that's what we agreed upon. And she shoots them out of the fucking sky, which hell yeah. I mean, that is a power play. No, but enough complaining because this scene really now gets started. Yeah. Ramp up to 11. Exactly. It's now being dialed to 11. We have a duel coming up because they're all family, no unnecessary bloodshed. It's going to be Lucifer and Michael. It's a great way to avoid bloodshed. Yeah. Yeah. And also this is, in my opinion, how it was meant to be because the rivalry between these two is what has been with us the entire season. Mm -hmm. So the only way to resolve the arc of this season is in a direct confrontation between these two individuals. Yes. We get a fight. And of course, Michael, instead of fighting, starts quipping. He's such a drama queen. First he starts making fun of Lucifer and Lucifer... He punches him in the face! It's like three times! No hesitation! It's so good! Oh, Lucy, yes! But also, Lucifer has the disadvantage here because Michael has the fucking flaming sword and Lucifer has his hands. He has nothing. However, we've seen him fight for a bit. So we know that he can do it. So they start fighting and he's losing. Zadkiel is trying to come to his aid. But Amenadiel stops him saying, no, 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 this is something that he needs to do by himself. But nobody said that he can't use a weapon since Michael has a weapon. So we have the staff coming in and it's just... Ooh, I feel like I should, I'm like, you know, um, you want to reenact the fight. And usually I'm the one who's like gesturing all around while recording, which is why I can't wear jewelry while we record. Today, Vero is also kind of a movie. According to my Fitbit, I have walked 2000 steps since we started recording. Nice. Okay. So now both of them are armed. And apparently this is also right where they want Michael, which made no sense to me until the reveal what the actual plan was. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. 
I didn't understand the plan either. So I was just like, what? But then there's another moment when Michael's quipping on at Lucifer and Lucifer headbutts him this time. So yes! I'm like... So satisfying. Oh my God. The headbutt. Mm. So good. But now we finally get to learn the plan. Yes. Which is just like, seriously. I mean, please tell me what the, what the plan is. Chloe pulling the pin on Michael's oppressive power, basically. I have a question. Yes. Why did it have to be Chloe? Why couldn't it be Amenadiel who is fucking immortal? Because Chloe is more nimble. I know. I just actually answered my own question. Because if Amenadiel took part in this fight, it wouldn't be just Lucifer. With Chloe being only human. Yeah, she doesn't count. It is still going to be respected by the other stupid angels. Yeah. If Lucifer wins. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. But she pulls the pin and she runs off with the necklace. The sword has gone down. And Lucifer grabs the sword, you know, and then he looks up and sees our favorite character, Ray Ray, and says, you know, with the angel of death on my side, I cannot lose. That is so horrible. Mm-hmm. This moment is so short, but the whiplash I got from my emotions that I ran through in this fraction of a second, basically. Mm-hmm. Because there is exuberant joy that we now have Ray Ray in a regular episode. Mm-hmm. Because the last time and the only time we saw her was in Boo Normal, which was a bonus. To realization of her expression, because she looks so sad, because she knows exactly what she's about to do. And then you start, then, then the worry comes, because, oh no, this means something really bad. The only really bad thing is, of course, with Chloe. And then, as we are one to do, the next step is denial. That this can't possibly be what they're actually doing. I mean, she's the main character. She can't die. And then, of course, comes the pain. Because then Michael stabs Chloe with the Tree of Life stuff. Was it just me or does Michael look scared of Lucifer right after Chloe dies? Yeah. He seems to be like, whoopsie, went too far. Please don't tell mom. You know, like the, that's the facial expression. He's very apologetic and he's very he's not apologetic he is over explaining yeah everything he's trying to make it better but by trying to make it better he's making it worse because yeah you don't want to upset the devil so far we've been dealing with lucifer who's like angry but he's not in pain also he lost his bargaining chip because yeah. this way chloe is not in hell yeah that was the only pressure that he had so sorry i jumped ahead a bit That's okay, that's okay. As Chloe goes down, we get a song called As We Fall by Clergy, uh, sang with Katie Garfield. As per usual, very much spot on, as we are used to with clergy, is heartbreaking. And it is destroying our emotions. Lucifer and Chloe have seemingly their last conversation, where Chloe says, it is not your fault, it is not my fault that Dan died, because we all make our own choices. And he chose to do that, and I chose to do this. So you have nothing to do with this. It was my choice. Which is so important because choice and free will is what I have repeatedly been saying. I feel like there is a lack sometimes of focus on this. But to make it this pivotal point in this heartbreaking, so momentous moment. It's the building brick of this entire show. It's the building brick of Lucifer himself. Yes. And I'm so ecstatic that we now get the focus on it. And that free will and choice is what enables Chloe to die free Mm -hmm. and go to heaven. Yes. And as she passes, 
Michael, as you already said, starts explaining to Lucifer why it's okay. But Lucifer, instead of attacking Michael, which he would definitely do a few seasons ago, he decides to self-sacrifice. He decides that he needs to bring Chloe back. And he yes. doesn't care that he's gonna die because that is no longer important. The most important yes. thing is that Trixie has Chloe, that Chloe gets to give what she has to give. She wasn't supposed to die like this. Not now. This was not her time to go. And he will make it right. Yeah. And he leaves. He leaves. And we go back to Mace, who has been already very much on pins and needles about this whole situation because she loves Chloe. She loves Lucifer. Yeah. She just lost Dan. Like, she has been hurt all over. Unlike Lucifer, she is not gonna self-sacrifice. She's gonna kick some fucking arse. She's gonna heal through extreme violence and Amenadiel submits to her choice. Yeah, I mean, he can't let them kill her. Oh, no, It's nice. No, no. He loves her. I mean, he also loves his siblings, but he follows and the war continues, but we don't see anything of it because we go to heaven. We see them having a picnic. Oh, it's so sweet. And they're very happy. So sweet. But then we see a comet. Oh, Lucifer, our brightest star. Our morning star crash lands. And he rolls over a person, steps into the frame and welcomes him. And it's fucking Mr. Sad Out Bitch. And of course, you are ecstatic. Listeners, you cannot see her face. I'm so happy. She's glowing. She has a smile as wide as her face. I don't. Nearly even wider. My face hurts. It's so good. But as unimpressed as I was with Mr. Sadout Bitch being there. It is, of course, absolutely essential that he is there because this is the first case ever that someone made it from hell to heaven. Yeah. And we need this for Dan. Exactly. This is the strand of hope for season six. Yes. That there is a way for Dan to come to heaven and be with Charlotte because this is the only happy ending that both of us are willing to accept. Dan yes. is dead. This is not supernatural. He's not going to come back to life. But he needs to be in heaven and he needs to be with Charlotte. And Charlotte needs to be with Dan. And then I feel like we're going to be okay with the fact that they're both dead. Not happy, but okay. So that's one thing that happens now. But as you said, all of these scenes are super loaded. So the next thing that happens, the way this brings so many threads back into the play, the ring. Lucifer's confusion that he isn't burning up and then he looks down on his hand. Lilith's immortality is protecting Lucifer now, which means that one episode that was black and white and completely out of context suddenly makes sense. It gives us a lag to stand on and gives us a reason. It gives us a way. Also, it kind of makes sense that the ring did not grant immortality. Lilith originally was of Eden. She is part of paradise when she was made. She left Eden on her own accord. And so if her essence is part of Eden, I have very little issue accepting that it could work as shield around Lucifer but since it is not his essence it is being used up over time yeah so to me this makes sense and then another thing is the only reason why Lee is in heaven now is because Lucifer helped him therefore it's only logical that the first instinct that he has is I will help you I know how to help you and this is the very least I can do because 
it is your doing that I managed to get out of hell. Yeah, thanks to you, I'm here, so now I'm gonna pay you back. This is basically a favor for a favor. Except you did me a huge favor, and now I'm returning it, even though you never expected me to pay you back, which is the best kinds of favors. Exactly. And the same way Lucifer never expected anything back, which makes it even more, you know. So it goes from both ways. Lead brings Lucifer to Chloe. Before you go into the dialogue between the two of them, we get the one thing that I do not like about heaven, even though I understand why it is necessary to be like this. Mm -hmm. Chloe forgot all about the people she left behind in the sense that they miss her or might need her. Mm. When she sees Lucifer, she's like, right, Trixie. Like the fact that her underage child is alone on earth yeah, with her father and her mother dead is something that she was not aware of. Yeah, she didn't realize that. And I get that it's necessary because how can you be happy in heaven with the awareness that your young daughter is now an orphan? Mm. I get that, but I don't like it because this means there is some kind of mental control, for lack of a better word happening in heaven and I find that extremely manipulative mm. and I do not like it I understand why it's necessary I don't have a better solution I'm not a fan you know what I think I think that it's not much of a as much of a mind control because she is able to remember very easily by an external force yes but it's not like oh you must remember and then slowly coming to it but she sees him and she's like oh yeah actually by an external force we don't have enough information. Yeah. I mean, this is still better than many other representations of heaven in other shows. It's still not as good as others. The good place, watch it. <laughs> She's not wrong. This is not like a hill I need to die on. Yeah. It just rubbed me the wrong way, you know? That's fair enough. But we now have this dialogue between Lucifer and Chloe. And like you said, it is kind of quick, but it is great. This is peak Lucifer writing. Yeah. Which is why I'm so happy that this episode is written by Ildi and Joe. Mm -hmm. Because apart from a few other writers, I feel like the combination of the two of them is the essence of the show and how the show tells us some things mm. and it's just we get once again the whole focus on choice yes him making the choice choosing to letting her come back to life and it's something that is just so important yeah to phrase it this way and I think this is one of the reasons why she actually ends up deciding to go back is because he realizes that he doesn't have to do it but yeah. he chooses to and she exactly. agrees and also this is the end of his letting go of selfishness evolution the the ultimate act of selflessness is self-sacrifice. But this is a healthy self-sacrifice for lack of a better word. I mean, mm. obviously he has a realistic expectation of dying, so healthy maybe not the best word. But this is an understandable self-sacrifice. This is not coming from an unhealthy, low self-esteem place. I'm sorry, are you talking about supernatural again? In general, self-sacrifice.
sacrifice so many times is played for the oh because you are so much better than I am you are the one who needs to survive to go on to be there and I am not worth anything so it doesn't matter if I am left behind but this is not the case here Mm -hmm. this is genuine selflessness yes and this is why this works so much for me and of course he says the final three words to her with the most genuine honesty possible. Yeah. You know, the way was long, but it was worth it. Yes. Abso-fucking-lutely. And her face, when she hears this, perfection. Like, damn, people, what you doing? And with that, Lucifer dies. Well, he burns. He is the morning star. We return and go into the last scene of this episode and this season. Yep. The ring is white. The ring is white. I started my notes saying, oopsie, I feel like some of them are actually dying out there. Better hurry, Chloe. I started my notes with the ring is white because we get this wonderful close up on it because she has her hand close to her wound. Mm -hmm. And then we cut over to the fight that is going on. And I absolutely lost my equilibrium in this second because Eve shoots one of the angels in the balls with her shotgun. (laughs) I did not notice that, but that's excellent. And it's so Eve. One of the angels is like flying at her and she shoots him in the balls and he goes face down on the ground because of the momentum. She's having the time of her life. And that just, it fucking slayed me because it is... I mean, yes, I adore you. I don't understand how I could dislike Eve in the first watch-through of this show. (laughs) But I did not like her. Yes. And oh my god, woman. Yes. I wonder if you would have still not liked her if we didn't do the rewatch and you would just watch it with negative feelings towards her. But you would see where she ended up. No idea. But this moment, it fucking killed me. Oh my god. It's so good. And that probably was a directing choice. Here for it. Thank you. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. (sighs) But we get loads of bits and pieces of the actual fight. We have a flying head. Not a talking head, but a flying head. Sadly, just a demon head, which means a demon is going back to hell. I didn't actually freeze frame, but I was trying to see if there are any angel bodies out there. I haven't noticed. I only saw orange onesies As far as I could tell, the only dead ones are the human bodysuits and I'm pretty sure the demons possessing the bodysuits just go are, back to hell. Yes, so yeah, they would. They no would. actual fatalities as far as we can tell. We have death hole situation but then Chloe is back and Michael is an asshole. What a surprise. So he realizes that she's back and he calls that out. It's like, oh my God, he actually did it. I wanted Chloe so badly to just shoot him with one of the (sighs) demon bullets. Uh, I mean, her kicking his ass is also very satisfying. And I get that we want the whole second chance bit that is happening in a few moments. But there's yet another moment where Michael could have just have it done and dusted because he's the ultimate 80s bad 
bad guy who has to explain everything that he does and has to have a last speech and monologuing is essential for him for his personality yes. it's part of his charm i guess but he starts monologuing and as he does that chloe gets up and starts fucking beating the shit out of him because she still has the necklace pin in her hand yeah. and this is a twist i didn't see coming the first time i watched this it's perfect because it makes sense she stole it she had it on her when he stabbed her yeah so this is a perfect continuity twist that should have been completely obvious i didn't see it the first time i'm absolutely here for it yeah it's amazing but then as she is kneeling on top of him and yelling at him you killed the man i loved which you know not entirely true in her awareness it is true it is her current truth and she has the blade she has Ezreal's blade on his throat and now there's something I don't understand why does Michael say to her do it I think that he hates himself even more than anybody hates him so no one hates Michael as much as Michael and all of this is actually a very elaborate death wish because there's no one that could best Michael except Lucifer so the only way to get a death as an angel probably is to give Lucifer enough reason to kill you Maybe. Let me slightly compare him to Katra. He is so alone and pines for attention and for love. But he doesn't love anyone. Katra loves. Yeah, but, you know, that's why I said just slightly. He is very alone. Yeah, he's very alone. So the only thing that he knows how to do is scare people. But then people are afraid of him. And as, you know, a certain character in a certain musical once said, I thought killing people people would make them like me but it just makes people dead where's that from that's from very potter musical and voldemort (laughs) says that oh my god okay um it's my favorite voldemort quote the thing is i feel like michael never had a chance to have someone love him because he automatically brings out the fear in everyone else yeah he was also able to bring out the fear in other angels Mm-hmm. and God himself which is the only instance we have ever seen of celestial powers working on others which to me means he is very strong his mm-hmm. power is very active and unlike Lucifer he did not get a gift that was immune to his power mm-hmm. I feel like he never had a chance to not be a dick an absolute self-hating piece of shit yeah I really hate that we are finding ways to understand Michael but you know it really gives you a great villain if you can feel for them and also this thought process is why I am with Lucifer giving him the second chance Mm -hmm. because so now we have the whole Chloe kneeling on him knife at throat Michael telling her to do it and then Lucifer shows up and he tells Chloe that this is not who she is and, and Lucifer, right. of course, is right. And I love that Lucifer is back. I love that he, of course, made it just in time to stop Chloe Obviously. from committing something that she would not. Like the second, how is it in uh, in Hannibal? She is possessed with biblical rage, but once her mind clears, she would not like who she became after this act. Yes. That makes sense. And so I'm very happy about this. And well, Lucifer now has 
the flaming sword. Assembled and ready to go. Yeah, he puts the pin in it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Let's I put love a pin the in that. <laughs> and he suggests, you know, to the death, Michael. Come on. I'm about to murder you. He Neil. enjoys it. Rightfully and so. Of course. It's it's it makes yeah. complete sense. And he deserves then this. What he does is that he slices off Michael's wings. And I ask, Michael yells out like a it just I he just yells out like it's the most painful thing in the world. Now imagine Lucifer did that to himself. No, Mace with- did it to him. For the first time, Mace did it to him. But remember, when his wings started coming back... Oh, yeah, he, he repeatedly did it cut it off. Repeatedly, yeah. over and over and over again. So he went through this pain so many times. Oh, yeah. I do wonder, though, if it is different because of the flaming sword. Maybe. Maybe it's like a way of knowing that the wings can never come back this way. I do wonder that. Like, this is... A question that I have, because Lucifer used the demon knives to yeah. cut them off originally. And when he fights Mace in previous episodes, the demon knives hurt him. And he does take quite some time to recover from the wounds that are inflicted via the demon knives. And they can theoretically kill him, which mm-hmm. is how the whole Malcolm shit situation happens. But in the episode where his wings repeatedly grow back, it seems to happen nearly instantly because he has so many wings basically lying yeah. around. And so I do wonder if the self-actualization is stronger than the... How do I phrase it? Than the... Than the mystical supposed, powers of the knives? Uh, basically, yeah. Than the mystical powers of the knives that inflict lasting damage on celestial bodies. And if that is so, that to me also would mean that the wounds that are inflicted by the demon knives would also be able to heal faster if you self-actualized it, that you are actually not harmed by them. Yeah, probably. That makes sense. So it's all willy-nilly and made up as we go. How very Star Trekian of them. Um, Sorry. <laughs> yeah, making shit up as we go. Um, sorry. But Michael screams when the wings are being cut. I choose to believe that A, he is definitely not made of as hard material as Lucifer mm-hmm. when it comes to pain. Because His pain threshold is is I think much. he's just not used as much to physical pain as Lucifer was because of the rebellion. Yes. And the fall and everything. He's been living in the clouds. And because of being friends with Mace. I mean, yeah, <laughs> sure. They indulged in some pain kinks as well back in hell. Not just back in hell. So I'm pretty sure he is simply not used to pain. Yeah. And also, I assume that the flaming sword burns like a bitch. Probably. My only question about this situation is, does this mean that we are keeping Michael to bite us in the arse? In season six. To me, this is such a parallel to how Lucifer starts his time in LA Mm. with the cut of wings that I would be very surprised if Michael comes back yet again as a villain. Okay. Well, now as we watch this, everyone kind of comes closer and aims, kneels down in front of Lucifer. I love that he's the first. Yes. He had to be the first one. He had to be. I love it. And with that, we get the last song of our episode. 
episode. Again, by Clergy, which I think is a first that we have two songs from the same band in a row. Right. And wow. Okay. Yeah. It's called And So It Begins. Indeed. I even wrote down that title because it is so spot on. I love Amenadiel's facial expression. He is so proud of Lucifer and him being the first one to bend the knee is to me the final demonstration of his support of his brother which given how we started in season one all the way back is something that is not to be expected or was not something we saw coming and this just makes me extremely happy of course it's nice to see all of them kneeling and I also like that Michael kneels but the Menadiel to me was the most relevant yes they all do kneel including Mace including everybody including Eve yeah except, except for Chloe, Chloe which makes absolute sense because I, they're equals of, yes and I kind of love how Michael is kind of like trying to get himself into the crowd so he doesn't you know completely stick out oh I read it as going down a few stairs to be on the level he belongs Aww. <laughs> I think that he just wanted to not be the center of attention anymore. Then we get like one of my favorite moments of the entire episode when we get a close up on Lucifer who's just awkwardly standing there with a the flaming sword and he's like, and you can see on his face like, the fuck should I do now? And just like raises the sword up and goes, oh my me. And then we get the panning out in cuts and the beautiful scenery. And did you know that the final line was improvised? by Tom Ellis. I didn't know that and it does not surprise me at all. <laughs> so, this is the final fun fact for this episode. Perfect. Fucking final fucking fact for this season faction. also. Yeah. So, final final thoughts. <laughs> I loved this. I loved the suspense. And even though nothing completely shocking happened, everything kind of ended the way we hoped for it. I found these kinds of endings comforting. And if they are slightly predictable, just enough for me to keep that comfort, I'm happy. We managed to wrap up so many things in this one episode. We finally getting the use of Lilith's ring. We finally got Lucifer accepting and warding those three words. Mace accepting the fact that sometimes pain is worth it if we want to have something worth living for. In this episode, as we talked about, we get the precedence for Dan's soul leaving hell, thanks to Mr. Set Out Bitch. And I love that it's because of Lucifer that we get that. He is oh, the yeah. reason why Dan now has a chance, Dan's soul has a chance to move from hell to heaven. And Lucifer did it unconsciously. There is just so many layers that make me happy. And I have big expectations for season six. So more about that next time. Pew, pew, pew. What can I say except... You're welcome. That as well. What a fucking finale. Holy shit. Intense emotional ups and downs. The literal devil in literal heaven. Fucking Mr. Setout, bitch. Yeah. But just like you said, speaking of Mr. Setout, bitch, this is huge and relevant because this is our tiny thread of hope for Dan down in hell. But who knows if hell is even going to be a place one wants to leave if Maze does indeed end up being queen of hell. On the other hand, she is now committed to Eve, so maybe that plan might change. 
Lucifer is now actual new god. How is that going to be power-wise? Does he already have god's powers or is there a ceremony or how does this work? Can he now just return to heaven or is he still gonna burn up there every time he goes there? Can Chloe, since she went there and came back, just go back and forth now how she likes? I have even more questions. I feel like I should just take that thing that tinfoil hat away from you. <laughs> Ezreal is now obviously part of the regular show. Will they return her blade to her? How did she lose it in the first place? Speaking of weapons, the staff from the Tree of Life got broken. Is that gonna have a future relevance or not? What happened to the actual Tree of Life anyway that the staff is the only thing left of it? So here I am. Here I am at the end of a season, of an amazing season. And I have so many questions. You are, of course, absolutely right. So many other things got tied up. So I'm not gonna repeat all of that. Despite all my questions. I feel this would have been an okay moment to end the show. If we had not gotten season six, there would have been questions, but I would have been content. I also think that the biggest questions that we have were left open intentionally because they did know they were going to do season six when they were finishing writing season five. The thing is... We are aware that originally there was no season six planned and they had planned to end it with season five. And so I cannot wait to watch season six and then take everything apart to figure out which parts of season six originally belonged into season five. And then, of course, trying to figure out which parts of season five would have been omitted. So much to look forward to. We're going to go, or at least I, and you're going to have to suffer through it, are going to go into so much depth on this for the summoning episode. Because, oh my god. Let's see how it goes. And how much we might even manage to answer in the upcoming summoning episode. And with this, we say thank you for listening. Please Find us on our various social media. We love interacting with you, either over there or when you send us emails to lucifer at taot-podcast.com. If you want to get even more personal and have secret chats with us on our exclusive Discord server, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash taotpodcast. We have a whole bunch of different rewards, such as early release, merch and hours of bonus content. Yes, hours. If that sounds like too much pressure, you can help the show by leaving positive iTunes reviews. They really do help. Or telling all your friends about us because nothing beats a personal recommendation. Thank Thank you. you. Bye. Bye.